0: Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Great to be with you. Great to join those that are at home today. And I'll get straight into what I want to share with you this morning. I want to visit both Old and New Testament in the the minutes that we have together. And uh, we are going to talk about a man in the old testament but it's not just about this man it's about the principles and i want to talk to you about the principles that are related to the kingdom of god and they work in any and every season of your of your life and as we you know we're touching today upon a spirit-led life but you know we could go in so many areas so many places with that and I want to specifically just talk about some foundational things. I want to talk about principles um, that Byron and I have lived our life by. by From the time that we accepted Jesus as Lord, it's never changed. And we do know that in the in the kingdom of God, there are mysteries, and some of those mysteries we will not be able to have full understanding on until we find ourselves in heaven one day. But There are principles that I believe stay with us all through our time upon this earth. And so firstly, this morning, I want to touch a little bit on the life of Isaac. This is the boy, as you know, he was the one that God had spoken to his parents that I'm going to give to you a son. So every time they looked at this boy, this boy had the mark of God upon him. He had the promise of God over him. And uh, some of you sit in this room and some of you today at home will know that God has spoken to you in that way about one of your children or all of your children, that the the hand of the Lord is upon that one. And even though there may be things that get detoured and changed and messed up from time to time, when God has spoken something, he will find a time and appointed time to fulfill the word that he's spoken to you. And so this, this boy, well, now by the time we're picking it up today, this Isaac is now well and truly into adulthood, but there are eight words. And it's those eight words back then that is very significant, but it's those eight words that fit with where we are right now. And these eight words that start off this uh, beginning of this chapter in Genesis chapter 26, we will read more than eight words, but I'm going to begin with those. And in these eight words of Genesis 26, it says, now there was a famine in the land. So right there, we're getting an understanding and a description that there is a famine in the land. We should be able to connect with that because I think right now we're looking at things that we would say represent a famine. So there was a famine in the land, but beside the the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar, And there the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. So today I want to touch on some of the things that Isaac did in this time of famine. But I want to talk to you that no matter whether you would say, well, I feel like I'm in a famine right now, I want you to know that that does not disqualify the power of God. It does not disqualify God from moving in your life. It does not disqualify your prayers from being answered. It does not disqualify what God wants to do in and through your life because we're talking about walking a life under the Spirit of God. See, if you have little word or little understanding of the presence of God, then you'll get stuck in the famine. And you won't see days beyond the famine. You won't know how to get out. You'll feel powerless and, you know, void of any ability to know your way through that famine. But we see the wisdom of God coming through. And the word that God gives to Isaac is, do not go down to Egypt. We could park on that right there. In a time of stress, in a time of chaos, in a time of crisis, in a time of uncertainty, do not, or really at any time, do not go down to Egypt. Now, Egypt was important. It had a significant uh, meaning to it because Egypt represented bondage. Egypt represented a threat to God's people. Abraham's grandson, Joseph, we know what happened to him. He was sold into slavery by his brothers and he ends up in Egypt. 430 years of the Israelites, they lived in Egypt. They grew in number, but even though they grew in number, they were underneath this heavy oppression of Pharaoh. And when they couldn't handle the oppression any longer, God raises up a Moses to lead them out of the oppression, to lead them out of that land of Egypt, to lead them out of their bondage. A series of plagues had gone through Egypt and left it in absolute ruins. And yet in amongst that, God does a miracle. And he opens up the Red Sea so that his own people can cross through into safety. And I want you to know, no matter what your famine looks like right now, God has heard your cry, he's heard your prayer, and he will make a way through even though it doesn't look like there is a way to come through. You only have to read the Bible to find out that God makes a way. You see, Israel's redemption from Egypt What that does for you and I is that it serves to remind us of our own deliverance. You might think, well, my deliverance hasn't been this dramatic, but I tell you what, the results of deliverance are the fruit of the Spirit. The results of deliverance are that I now love Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The results of deliverance are I want to be found in church. I want to be planted in the house of God, and I want to serve God all the days of my life. That's what my deliverance looks like, a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. Do not go down to e- Egypt. I wrote something on the inside of my Bible the other day. I'd heard someone else say it, probably in one of my middle of the night encounters with God. But, and they said, um, stay on the God side of things. And I liked that. And so I, before I could forget it, I quickly wrote it on the inside cover of my Bible. And if you want to know how to walk in the spirit, there it is right there. Just stay on the God side of things. Whatever his word says, stay on that. Stay on the God side of things. I think sometimes we overcomplicate and overmystify what it is to walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit. It's just staying on the God side of things. Write it in your Bibles. Put it in your phone. Put it on your palm. I don't know people tattoo things these days maybe anyway I'll leave that with you so you know that pretty much sums up what it is walking in the spirit but does this only apply when we're in blessing and everything's wonderful or can we be led by the spirit in a famine Let's go into Genesis 26 verses 12 to 13. It says that Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him and the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. I like another translation that says it this way, Isaac sowed seed in that land and in the same year, reaped a hundredfold. He was able to harvest a hundred times as much as he planted because he sowed seed. He sowed seed in a time of famine. So aside from a famine, that wasn't the only issue. The Philistines, who of course we know represented the enemy, they had stopped the flow of fresh water. The wells had dried up. There was no fresh water. And if you've got a heart that's open today, you'll be able to tie it into our present moment, our present day. You see, Abraham, Isaac's father, had previously dug wells. For Abraham had the wisdom to know that where there's water, there's life. But the enemy also knows that if he cuts off fresh water from you, then there is no life. If he cuts off fresh water from you then we start to die we start to weaken we start to fade but the Philistines knew if they could cut off the water that would be the end of life for the Israelites and so in the context of this Genesis 26:18 it says here then Isaac dug again and church highway church i believe that we got to dig again I believe we've got to dig, a day, a dig again, whether it be a famine, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be this, whether a TV screens say this, whether the news just repetitive, repetitively. It's almost like the report of the 10 spies. Well, there's giants in the land. There's giants in the land and You turn on the network anywhere, you turn on the news anywhere and it's like, what report are you going to believe? Were there giants in the land? You bet there were. Were there issues in the land? Absolutely. Were there problems to overcome? Absolutely. But why is it it just took two men to believe God's report, God's good news, God's word and move in the power and the authority of what God had said instead of the report that came out from the other 10? And I believe we've got to be careful about what report we are giving time to right now. Isaac dug again in the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. I love that. Not only did he plant seed, but he dug again. And he brought those wells back to their original condition. And I believe he also gave great honor to his father by naming them what his father had named them. There were three wells that Isaac dug. And these are important because one of those wells was called Esek. And it was called that because it was the place of disputes. It's where they argued and disputed. The herdsman said, this water's ours. This is mine. And you can't have what is mine. And so it was called Esek, the place of disputes. And the other one was called Sitna. And it's where they quarreled and argued even further. And they it was a place of quarrels. But thank God there was a man who didn't quit. Thank goodness there was a man who didn't stop. I'm so pleased that th- Isaac's life represents to us the power of digging and redigging, and keep going forward and ploughing the ground and putting your hand to the plough again and coming to the altar again and worshipping the name of Jesus again and coming before the throne of God and keep on digging because finally they go to this other well. And it was called Rehoboth. And it says that this well's name means that the Lord has made room for us. God has made room for us. And Highway Church, I want to say to you, God will make room for you, both in your personal life, in your family, in our church, our place in the nation right now, our spot and time in history right now. God will make room for us if we keep digging, if we keep doing the things of God, if we're led by the Spirit, if we are men and women of the Word of God, and listen to the right reports right now. We've got to have fresh water in a day of famine, in a day of confusion, in a day of crisis and chaos, in a time of disputes, in a time of quarrels and arguments. But I want to find fresh water in spite of all of that. In spite of all of that. So, as we talk about being led by the Spirit, can we flourish? Can we prosper? Can we become stronger and not weaker? Can we grow in the Spirit of God? Can our relationship with Jesus be more intimate and sweeter and real? Even if there is a famine, even if there is an enemy, even when fresh water seems to dry up, even when hope seems to be fading, when there is tension or disputes or quarrels, see, I see opportunity. If we stay on the God side of things. And if I was to share anything with you today, it would be that I have endeavored to do that throughout my life since I found Jesus as my God, as my Savior, to stay on the God side of things. So we've already touched on principles here today. We've said, don't go down to Egypt. Isaac planted seed. Isaac reopened the wells and the Lord makes room for them to flourish to such a point that it's a hundredfold return in amongst a mess, in amongst issues and problems. You see, I think, and I'm very grateful to the Lord that when we started going to church first time in 1980, we entered a church that Knew how to pray. They knew how to believe God. It was a faith kind of church. And I am so grateful for what was, I don't know whether it's so much what I was taught or what I heard, because I can't remember anything at all about one sermon other than one sermon. The pastor was talking about the Canaanites, and I didn't know who the Canaanites were. I thought, who were the Canaanites? I've never heard of that that group of people. But something was somehow, I don't know, received, imparted, caught, if you like. And there were many famine days. You know, in our early years, we we had virtually no money whatsoever. Virtually no money. We'd given up our security, our financial security in order to serve God and follow the voice of God. And so we had We had nothing to our name, and yet, and I suppose you could call that a famine right there, but right there in the time of financial famine is where we learned to sow seed. It wasn't when we got the job or the promotion or we were doing better, it was in the famine, And we sowed seed, a financial seed in our famine. It wasn't much of a seed. It was a small amount because we didn't have a lot to give. But we understood the power of that seed sowing. And so we've traveled through our life like that, understanding what seed can do. And way back here in Isaac's day, Isaac knew the power of planting seed. Go over to the New Testament and I immediately think, as we mentioned seed, I think about the parable of the sower. If I had read nothing else in the Bible, absolutely nothing else, if I'd never read anything at all other than this was the one scripture in Mark chapter 4, it would have been enough for me. To this day, it is still enough. Mark chapter 4, we won't go through the whole thing just to condense it a little bit in verses 13, 14. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Right there it's telling us that the word of God is seed and you and I are the farmers. And if I had heard and read and been taught nothing else at all, this one scripture would have been enough to know that it doesn't matter whether I'm I'm in a famine or something else, I can still sow seed. There is power in the seed. You see, when we're talking about a spirit-led life, we could talk about a thousand different things. But the greatest foundational stones are the ones you continue to build upon. They're the ones that are written in your Bible today. They're the ones that are in your phone. They're the ones that are your well-practiced scriptures. They are your foundation stones that God has got your attention on to keep building your life on. But Jesus also said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parable. This is it. If you want to know what it is. It's this. And then if you understand that, then you'll understand how the kingdom of God works. You, you see, we won't go into it because it's a sermon on its own, but it also talks about us, the receptivity of the heart matters. And that's why it goes on to the different soil types. But in Isaac's time, when the enemy stopped the, the flow of fresh water, What would that look like in our day? Well, the gospel of Mark tells us it's the cares of this life. It's the worries, it's the concerns, it's the anxieties, it's the fears. It's the cares of this life that choke the word from the word being fruitful. So it also explains to us that Satan comes along to steal. What does he steal? Sometimes think that You know, the enemy came and stole my car and he stole my lawnmower and he stole this and he stole that. He can take the stuff, but don't let him take the seed. Because even if your possessions got stolen, you've got seed to keep on planting again to believe God for provision here and it'll be better than what was taken. Because what the enemy takes, God will give back seven times greater. If you've got the seed, no matter what season you're in right now, and plant the seed, watch and see what God brings to pass in your life. We've done this. I, there's so many stories. I tried to think of one story and I couldn't even condense it to one, but I, I think we've told you many years ago where, you know, we had next to nothing. We lived on $2 worth of chips and a can of Coke a day. It's an absolute miracle that we didn't end up with scurvy or or some other horrible disease from lack of nutrition. But I remember that, you know, somehow Byron did some job on something. It was, I think he got paid $70, which was like gold to us, you know. And then we were leaving for Western Australia, which was a miracle in itself because you know, to drive there, you've got to put petrol in your car. And even though I had the Datsun 120Y, it still needs petrol to run. And if I could pray my way from Brisbane to Perth, I would have done that. And I think we did a bit of that, to be honest with you. But we got this $70 in our hands and we both felt to sow it, to give it. We could not afford to do that. But we sowed the seed, and I won't go into the story, but we made it to Western Australia. And when we got to the other end... There was this job that seemed to appear out of nowhere and Byron was getting paid $700 in the hand. We had sowed 70 and we ended up with 700 in the hand. Now you might say that's coincidence, that's just, you know, fate, it's just this. It wasn't. We sowed seed and we believed in the power of the seed. And we've done that, not just financially, but in every area because we understood Mark chapter 4. See famines will come and go, situations will come and go, disputes and quarrels and trials and difficulties and crisis. COVID-19 will come and we don't know when it will go, but I do know the authority in the name of Jesus. See it says here the cares of this life, well cares means a divided mind, a divided place and the seed has no effect So what would Egypt represent to me? Egypt to me would be living in such fear and panic, dread and unbelief. That to me would be my Egypt. Egypt to me would be seeing no hope, no way, no future, no peace, no joy. Egypt to me would be that Jesus would come and say, I can't do any mighty miracles here because there's more unbelief than there is belief. That that would be my Egypt right there. And eventually Jesus walked by and said, I can't do much here. The kingdom of God is at work in such a limited way because of unbelief. That would be my kind of Egypt, and yet you and I are not called to Egypt. Do not go down to Egypt as COVID-19 is spoken about through our TV media screens, in saturation levels, do not go down to Egypt. Don't go down to fear and panic. Don't go down to that place where you lose sight of the name of Jesus, the power of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one. He is the one. That can part the waters and make a way through, bring a solution where man is running out of ideas. Don't go down to Egypt into unbelief. See, I believe there is a spirit of faith. If you want to be led by the Spirit, there's a spirit of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Galatians 5:16 says, "So I say, live by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. They are opposed to each other." And later on in that same chapter of uh, chapter five, it says that you and I are to keep step with the Spirit." You see, 41 years ago, when we started, we did not know how to keep step with the spirit. We were learning to walk with God. Learning to walk with God and that little Latin phrase that I've brought to you a few times over the years, solverus ambulando cum Deo," have I impressed you right there, my little Latin one and only phrase I know. It simply means it is solved by walking with God. It is solved by walking with God being led by the Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost and with power, not with weakness, not with frailty, not with fear, not with unbelief, but filled by the Spirit of God and with power. You see, living a Spirit-led life has led us into places of safety and protection. And having a testimony today that we could not have put together ourselves, being led by the Spirit as we were about to sign a document that put us into business partnership with two men right there, pen in hand, ready to sign. The Holy Spirit said, do not go into partnership with these men. Pen was dropped, documents not signed. Being led by the Spirit means you've developed an ear to hear the voice of God. Being led by the Spirit has, thankfully, I've grown enough to say, I'm running in my lane. I can't run in yours. I can't run in theirs. I can't run in that one. I will run in my lane. And hear the voice of God for my lane. Being led by his Spirit says that I have got authority in the name of Jesus, which means that I am not a victim I refuse to live like a victim. I have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And I know my jurisdiction to use that authority. There's places where I do not have jurisdiction, but where I have been called, where I've been planted, where my stake is in the ground and I have jurisdiction, I have authority in the name of Jesus. Being led by his spirit has taught me the value of his word, the value of his house. And to see into the unseen and to prophesy for things to come. But being led by His Spirit says, we can dig again. We can dig again. We can sow again. We can let fresh water flow again through our own lives. Being led by the Spirit says, I will not give the enemy any ground that is mine to be possessed. You seeing being led by the Spirit is, I will not let him take the seed. I won't let him take the seed. Some of you are carrying a seed for your children. And you've been disappointed and disheartened, but I'm telling you, God has given you a seed. And that seed can bring about prodigals returning home back to the house. God has given you a seed for your business. He's given you a seed. No matter what it looks like, don't let the enemy take the seed. Seeing so being led by the Spirit, if I've learned anything, I've learned this, that your breakthrough is on the inside and not the outside. So many are looking for breakthroughs on the outside, but your breakthrough is on the inside of you. That's where victory is. That's why in the storm. Why is it that Jesus could sleep in the storm or walk on the water in the storm? What was that? Because what he needed was in him. Everyone's waiting for everything to return to normal. What if normal is on the inside of you? What if your, God's normal is on the inside of you because you carry the seed for your future? It's in us, it's in the body of Christ, it's in the church. Being led by the Spirit is staying all the time on the God side of things. And knowing that your victory and your breakthrough, your peace, your joy, the answers to your prayer are on the inside of you right now, right now. Could we stand to our feet? And spend just a couple of minutes worshiping and praising and giving glory to our God right now.